What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. The Atlanta Sports Guys. We're back on a Friday afternoon, as we are every single Friday. Uh, I am joined, as I am every Friday, by Garrett Chapman down there in Atlanta. Garrett, good afternoon. How are you? What up, Chase? What is going on, man? You know, just a normal week of sports. Tennessee's doing all kinds of stuff. Um, so I had David Chile on, so he does Volcanic Takes with uh, Ryan Shepard and I, also on Fridays. And he unloaded this, like, three-minute exp- explanation as to why Georgia Southern Georgia State is just as big of a rivalry as New Orleans and the Atlanta Falcons. And I almost fell out of my chair. He's very passionate about it. Like, he went to state. Really, really hates Georgia Southern. I've never heard anything like this in my life. I knew the Southern, not state stuff was a thing back when I was an undergrad because I had a lot of friends who went to Southern and I would go down to Statesboro and I'm, and I know that's where you went that, uh, I, I saw that a lot, but I didn't think it was a real rivalry. Garrett, clear this up. Is this actually like a really heated, crazy rivalry now? Yeah, it has actually become like quite the rivalry, uh, because Georgia, Georgia Southern's football program suffered a little bit like when I was there. Uh, but at least the second two years. And, and that's when Georgia State was really starting to establish themselves as a football program. Um, and, it, and it was just sort of, they kind of picked up a little steam, and they, but they still haven't really caught us. But then basketball, they have, a, they have a great program in basketball too. But really I think it's a generational thing because people older than me all hate App State more than anything. Um, back to, going back to the SoCon days. Uh, but, and then everyone my age, everyone just hates Georgia State because it's, it's just a regional rivalry. It's like Georgia, Georgia Tech. Interesting. Uh, also with us, Max Markovich. Uh, Max, who do you hate more, Michigan State or Ohio State? Is it even a question? It's so, it's so funny you ask this because everyone in Michigan wants to hate Ohio State more, but actually hates Michigan State more, and it's like not even close. And really? That, that's something that that the yeah everyone in the national media does not understand that, but it's absolutely one hundred percent the case that. I would say 90 to 95% of people hate Michigan State more. Interesting. See, we're explaining all of these. National media, take notice. We're, we're learning all about the, uh, the actual <laughs> rivalries in college football. It might, have something, it might have something to do with the fact that Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio, has beaten Ohio State maybe one time in the last like 20 years or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like the same with Tennessee and Bama, where I'm just like, no, Bama's not really a rival. Like, I don't really go into it. I just, I, I know what I'm expecting. Like, it's not a rivalry. They, uh, they're going to steamroll, and that's just the way it is. Um, the Georgia stuff is by far more, more intense for me. My, my University of Georgia hate is, is strong. Um, <laughs> the Falcons, they had some releases this week. Um, Ricardo Allen, who worked his way up to a really solid safety for the Atlanta Falcons over the last couple of years. Um, came back from some bad injuries, fought through it, good player. Um, but 
the Falcons are up against it with Terry Fontenot and Kyle Smith and this new front office. They're going to have to make some tough decisions and you're not going to be able to pay everybody and they're going to have to restructure a lot of cap stuff. Um, him and Alan Bailey both got released. I suspect other um, free agents and pending free agents from the Falcons 2020 roster will not be back as well. I think we're going to see a lot of change in the defensive front, especially um, Max, what do you make of those two releases? Yeah, I think it was sort of a matter of time um, with those two guys and with others. I mean, they're up against the cap, and there's no really two ways around that. And with the new staff in place, um, you know, I think that it's interesting sort of the sequencing that this all happens to me. I mean, Terry Fontenot and and his staff are coming in and sort of just assessing the entire roster um, from the bottom up, right? And so it's interesting to see, okay, those those were the first two guys to go, but they certainly won't be the last. Um, and sort of trying to follow the trends of, of who, who they value, who stays, who goes, um, will be interesting to follow. I mean, they're going to have to make some really tough decisions because, um, you know, I see the Falcons as sort of being on these two parallel tracks of sort of trying to piece it together to compete now while also um, rebuilding and sustainably rebuilding. And those are somewhat contradictory paths. So we'll see sort of how that goes. Garrett, what do you think? Well, I think Bax actually just brought up a really interesting thing because the, the Atlanta Falcons are at an organizational crossroads. I mean, the kids, this team theoretically could compete next year, but we're in such a bad cap situation. And, and honestly, we just won, came off four wins. It's hard to believe that this team's going to win to go, go worse to first. But at the same time, you have a lot of these players already in place. It makes you think uh, that you could theoretically go and compete next year. But I mean, but speaking of the, the, the two cuts, roster moves i mean i i expect more moves to be coming i could see carpenter getting cut maybe davison um fowler i've heard is a potential like post june 1st cut oh um yikes that, that could be a potential mm-hmm. but that would be a lot of dead money yeah um but really the biggest thing is these guys just need to come out and restructure some deals um and that's really where he's gonna have to work some magic i mean that's one thing that thomas dimitrov did a little bit of uh, especially in the past couple of years but he was just kind of kicking the can down the road with some of them and I mean, Matt Ryan's got this big old payday one of these days. I, I think it's coming up in like a year or two. But, I mean, it, there, it's going to take some genius from Terry Fontenot. And he, he, I mean, this is his time to shine. I mean, he's he's got his work cut out for him. He does. And I think, look, I, I'm not really tied emotionally to anyone on this defense outside of Foye Olicon. Like, that is my dude. And him just being awesome and becoming like a stud um, is great. Um, and also, we have a lot of question marks with their young guys. Like, they, the last draft, they spent a lot of capital on the defense. Like, we know what they did with Dante Fowler in free agency. But, like, also, they were looking at Mikel Walker and guys like that where you're like, mm, we still have some young guys we need to see. We need to see what Isaiah Oliver still looks like. We need to see what A.J. Terrell looks like um, in year two. There's They have a lot of young guys. I mean, Devontae Kazee coming back from a torn Achilles. We'll see what happens there because I was texting you about this because thefalcoholic.com had a really good thing about, like, if you can only keep two who would they be? And for me, it's coup is priority one. Like that's the one you just make it work. It's easy to bring him back. And he seems like the guy for the long term. He's the, hopefully our next Matt Bryan and the long line of Falcons kickers who just stay around forever. I'm hoping that's the case. So I, I bring him back. And the other one is just like, Hmm, it's someone in the secondary. And I go back and forth on Denard, who I thought was really good when he played. Um, and he had some injury issues this year, but Darko Denard was a really good pickup by, Dimitrov and then Kazee when he is healthy um 
he's good and he can play he's versatile and that's the biggest thing with KZ for me is that he can play safety he can play corner he can he can move around um and dmp is like garrett talked about in our text thread it's just like he is versatile as a defensive play caller and he's worked in so many different schemes that i think he's going to value the Dion joneses the foyer olicons the grady jarrett's more than anything else because i think the modern football game is you have to be able to play multiple positions and you can't just be i'm this and uh that's kind of what ricardo allen and keanu neal really were and that's why i just don't think either will be back we know allen won't be back i don't think keanu neal will be back um garrett what do you make of all of that i mean speaking of going back to one of one of your original points in there uh the draft from last year was it's a high investment in the defense yep. and honestly i could see a lot of these players still panning out pretty well i mean uh, jalen hawkins is a solid player Mikael walker was very good yep um like aj Terrell, great player and he's only going to get better in my opinion i mean marlon davidson he was injured most of the season but i mean yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the term in basketball. It's positionless basketball. I mean, the, the, the modern era players have to be flexible. They have to be able to do everything on, on the field and as much, as much as possible because that's what you want out of your players. You want them to be dynamic. And that's actually one thing that brings up a, a potential uh, draft prospect for me is, is uh, Michael Parsons out of um, Penn State. I mean, they, they could – potentially do something with you're gonna him. be so angry if, you want if they talk- take a quarterback garrett you're gonna be so I'm gonna be very angry. upset i'm gonna be that is what i've learned in the last month from you is you're just going to be <laughs> out you're going to be apoplectic if they take a quarterback and the number four pick like I, you're really gonna lose well, it because i'm just not sold on any of these guys not named trevor lawrence i i just really am not and i think but i think that the atlanta falcons are a lot closer to competing uh in 2021 than a lot of people give them credit for and, and i think that I mean, if you look at the, the Green Bay Packers, if they don't take Jordan Love at the first pick uh, of, of last year's draft and instead invest in, I don't know, another wide receiver <laughs> or something, yeah. that extra player could have taken them to the next level and potentially, they could have potentially played in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm, now, I'm not saying the Atlanta Falcons are going to be the Green Bay Packers of this year. Or, but, I mean, or they have close the to I, but. I mean, I think it's fair to say that they could have easily been a 10-6, and 11-5 team if a lot of those crazy losses don't go the way they oh, did. Sh- Dude, I, I, I just looking back on it just makes me bang my head against the wall. Because I collapsed at a bar in North Carolina oh, at the Cowboys-Falcons game. Like, I just collapsed. I, could, I just could. What is happening in my life? Why am I doing this to myself? Well, if you think about it, too, it's like you have the, the Kansas City Chiefs. They were in that game up until the very end. Both games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have uh, the first game against the Saints. You have the the game against the Bears. The the game against I mean, I mean you have the Cowboys too. I mean that's already six games. You had I don't know four or five of them. Four of them you should have won. If you went four of those, then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. I mean, come on, <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's, and so people think the Atlanta Falcons are, are far far away from where they need to be, and that they just hit, hit the reset button. I disagree. They just needed to change the culture. I think the talent's there. Invest in this team. And if they can make things work on the cap end, then I think this team could compete for a playoff spot in 2021. Max, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to slow the roll there in a number okay. of ways. Um, first of all, first of all, I can't wait till, uh, till we record a, an episode after the draft when the Falcons trade up to two and take Zach Wilson and just to see Garrett, Garrett's head. Garrett explode. will, I think, quit the podcast. I'll implode. <laughs> I will implode. 
I was reading I was reading a thread on Twitter about about uh, making the case for why the Falcons should actually trade up, um, and I was you know interested, not swayed. Anyway, I think I think we're um, how many times over the last five years have we four years really have we said, oh, man, you know, if only if only this had broken a certain way or if that had gone a certain way, man, the Falcons really could have been you know eleven and five or or twelve and four or won the division or gone to the NFC title game or won the Super Bowl, what I, you know, all these things. Um, you don't go four and twelve on accident. Um, they went four and twelve. They didn't go eight and eight. They didn't go six and ten. They went four and twelve. Um, and I do think a lot of that has to do with um, our perception of it. it. Has to do a lot with like the perception of the top end talent on the roster. Um, and the top end talent on the roster has been and still is pretty good in my estimation. I mean, I think um, Brady Jarrett is, is one of the best defensive lineman in the league period. Um, Julio Jones is still Julio Jones despite injury. Calvin Ridley's emerged into a, a you know, legit number one receiver, you know, all the first rounders on offense, yada, yada, yada. Matt Ryan's still at an elite level. But that sort of belies the point of, like, the roster has been hollowed out because of that. All those guys have been paid with the exception of Calvin Ridley. And so what that does is it, if you don't draft really, really, really well, um, the depth is just completely hollowed out. And when you lose guys to injuries, as you know the Falcons have, um, that gets exposed. And you always lose guys to injuries. This is the NFL. Um, and so I don't think the – I mean, you know, sure, could they go 8-8 eight and eight next year? Could they go 9-7? and seven? Could they even maybe squeak out 10-6? and six? Sure. Um, but what is that really getting you in, in Matt Ryan's age 36, 37? Like they're not winning the Super Bowl next year. Um, and I don't think we're, the Falcons are really as close as maybe this conversation. Gary, are you still with us? Leading in. No, I'm right here. Oh, I, I just mean, want to make sure that you agree. haven't just passed out yet. Okay, continue, Max. <laughs> no, I mean, I assume he's saying it. No, I completely agree with what he's saying. Just, I don't think the team's competing for a Super Bowl. But I'm, all I'm saying is that they, they could potentially compete for a playoff spot, like you said. Just because, I mean, they're. they're well, I think that's what they want to do. I, mean, I, 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 I suspect that that's goal. what they want to do, yeah. But, yeah. But do you do you want to sort of this is sort of a more existential question about the Falcons? But do you want to cling to that sort of faint hope of, of nine and seven, ten and six um, for a few more years? Do you want to sort of hold on to that? You know, everyone stays healthy, the offense is great, um, and you can hold on enough on defense with the talent you have, or do you want to try to like build something sustainable and real that um, you know maybe has more of a five ten year vision than one or two? And I, I, well, I'm, I'm not saying that's an easy choice, but I, I do think that that's like what's going on in the Falcons front office right now. Well, I, I, I just uh, my my dip, biggest difference in, in what you're saying is, is the fact that you, I think you're trying to say it's an either or. I, I you definitely can do both of those things by drafting someone not named Zach Wilson or, or, or Justin Fields or anything. Like say you go defense with this first pick. That's why I'm a big believer in the best player available approach. Is because if you take that best player available, you are building towards the next five to ten years, not just this next year. Um, and that's and that's so, why you're not necessarily drafting for needs. But it's like you, all you have to what you need to do in the draft is just establish yourself as, as best you can. And I just don't think that I, I'm not sold on these quarterbacks. And maybe I have to go back and, and look at some more tape, or maybe I need to check them out a little bit more. Um, I, maybe I just need to open my mind up a bit, but. I'm just as of right now, I'm just not sold on them, and I think that it's like if you compete to win next year, that doesn't necessarily hamper your ability to compete next in the coming years. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. No, I, I agree with that. Um, and I don't think like necessarily an either-or, but I, I do think quarterback is like the best way to sort of distill this conversation. Um, and, you know, maybe it's as simple as I do like all four of these quarterbacks and think all four of them could be really, really good and want to see, you know, what Arthur Smith could do the next five, ten years with one of them. Um, but I agree in the sense that it's not an either-or. And it does look like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones will be on this team next year. And if they're on this team, um, that means you're trying to win. And so I, I agree, but it's, it's sort of going to come down to a bigger question. You know, they're going to have to make some tough decisions on certain guys who they are not attached to in the way Thomas Dimitrov and co probably were. And we're probably going to be surprised by some of those moves. Um, and I do think a lot of them will come with, with the idea in mind of a sort of five year horizon rather than one while still trying to sort of piece together a winning team next year. Yeah. I, I think they're going to try and blend. I think football is different than other sports where it's easier to rebuild through the middle and i think the falcons are going to try and do that and look at what they did in the draft last year and look at what they can do in free agency in the coming years and see that like hey we still have julio we still have ryan we still have Hurst. like they could i mean the best non-quarterback option that i've seen where if you really want to just test it out for one more year that you can really go for and that you cannot make the same mistake the packers did by taking jordan love instead of a somebody who could help and uh free up Devonte adams and friends um and not rely so much on marquez valdez scantling um i think kyle pitts if you trade it back like it, kyle pitts calvin ridley and julio jones and then you still have hayden hurst in the mix like i having watched a lot of kyle pitts this year i i think he might be the best tight end i've ever seen in college like there is something to just having another guy that arthur smith's like yeah let's let's see what you do here we can put these guys and move them around and figure all this out because like we know julio will miss some games we know ridley will miss some games russell gage is one of my favorite guys but like he's still if you just have him as like your fourth or fifth option then you're really cooking with something I don't know. I think uh, that is something interesting. Panay Sewell still makes a lot of sense. So I understand where Garrett's coming from, but I also just am so concerned about when the Falcons will have an opportunity to pick in the top five again. Like, when will they... Mm-hmm. Wh- like, if you don't take the quarterback now, are they going to be in a position where they're going to have to give up assets and, tra- and give up picks to move up to take their quarterback future? Do they have to be the Washington football team where they have to trade up for Robert Griffin because of where they are in the draft the following year. Like, that is my concern here. Kind of like the Eagles, too, maybe. One interesting tidbit, the, actually. So I, I think I tweeted... Oh, yeah, or the Patriots. No, one interesting tidbit, though. It's, it's uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw this from Field Yates. It was just that every single quarterback drafted in the first round between 2009 yeah. and 2016, of those quarterbacks, none of them are on their original teams. I think the only, the only, the only quarterback that's still on his original team this goes back the year before, and that's Matt Ryan. Which crazy stat, by the way. <laughs> but just a weird, weird thing. But my point is, there's value to be had throughout the draft. I mean, there, you can find quarterbacks at any level in the draft. I mean, people get overlooked every single year. I mean, I, I could sit here and, and like point out all of the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks that, that have panned out to be great quarterbacks. Now, of course, there's a lot more risk, and, and there's a lot, and there's like the, the talent discrepancy is, is, is more significant. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if you have a good coach then he's going to make his players better. And I, I think Arthur Smith could be that guy. 
And you don't necessarily have to pick a quarterback in the first half of the first round in order to find that talented guy or the guy who fits. Yeah. Well, speaking of guys who don't fit, Kurt Binkert got released this week. Uh, good guy, Kurt Binkert, who everyone loves, former Virginia quarterback. Um, he's been on the practice squad. Like, that is something I'm also thinking about a lot is, like, the Matt Schaub stuff was – uh, just insane last year. I think you can keep him like as a coach. Just make him a quality control coach. Make make up a position for him, but not have him on the salary cap sheet because if Matt Ryan goes down, the Falcons are in a lot of trouble because Matt Schaub cannot play quarterback anymore. And I just think at this point in today's NFL, you need um, a really solid quarterback because guys get banged up. You're asked to drop back a lot more. You're passing a lot more. And if you're behind a bad offensive line, things are going to get bad quickly. Um, do you think the Falcons, if they like Garrett, if they don't address quarterback in the top four? Do you think they need to make the backup quarterback spot more of a priority this year? Oh, no. The Falcons are absolutely taking a quarterback in, the, in this draft. Mm. I just don't want them to do it number four. I mean, there's, there's no so way. So you want a second rounder. You want your Andy Dalton. You want your uh, Derek Carr. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. There, there's value to be had later on in the draft. And uh, the, the, you have Mac Jones who's coming out who's going to be a second round pick. Uh, maybe uh, I think he's going to go first. Pick. Do you think mm. Mac Jones is going second? Uh, Someone's going to talk themselves into Mac Jones. I could see, yeah, like you could potentially see like a team like the Patriots, but I mean, but he's his grade is like a first to second round grade, and they're more. Uh, Jamie Newman is another very interesting quarterback. University of Georgia of legend people... Jamie Newman. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that ugh. no, but, I mean, but what do you he wore Georgia stuff at the Senior Bowl, by the way, like insanity. That, that irked me. That irked me pretty substantially because uh, I, I grew up as a, a Georgia fan, so it's like that bothered me a lot. But he's still a good quarterback, and he's and he's got some mobility. He's a and and, and he's got a hell of an arm, so he can be a guy that a lot of people watch and, and, and take a look at, and probably take him like the fourth round because he didn't play last year, and people might have forgotten about him. So I mean, there's plenty of talent in this draft. I, I'd be and then releasing Kirk Bankert is only just more evidence that hey, we need to draft a backup quarterback anyway. Um, and perhaps they do go quarterback in the, at number four. I don't know. I really don't know where Terry Fontenot's going with it, but but there is going to be a quarterback taken. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think there has to be a quarterback taken because it's not like I saw some buzz about uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, to the Falcons as the backup, but I don't think there's going to be any like I don't think they can afford to make backup quarterback a priority in free agency given the just array of needs that the Falcons have uh, top to bottom. So I, I, I think it's inevitable they'll take a quarterback. I would lean probably like 65-35 right now. They go quarterback at four. But if they don't, um, I, I would imagine they'll take a quarterback later in the draft. I, um, you know, I'm not enamored with the idea of taking like a um, – I'm trying to think of a name. Let's go with Jamie Newman and like trying to like sort of have a developmental guy um, – and take forever to figure out what you got there. But the other aspect of this is he takes a guy like Jamie Newman and he just sort of sits there. Um, he doesn't really lose value as an asset going forward. Um, and that is one of the interesting things that a lot of these smart teams have done is just sort of nab guys in the you know, middle rounds, quarterbacks, um, who just kind of accrue value just by being there um, and maybe getting a little unnecessary hype and having like a good preseason game or whatever. And you can always flip those guys later on. Um, so I wouldn't be like opposed to that idea. I just don't think they can afford to address it in free agency. Yeah. Like, what was the name of the uh, that Packers, the backup Packers player? He uh, went, then went and signed with the Seahawks the year, and then oh, Matt Flynn. Russell Wilson. 
Maps Flynn. Yeah. Kind of like that. Kind of like that. Yeah. He's Shout out to him. What a great career. Him and Chase Daniel. Ooh. Great careers. He won that. a national championship. That is true. <laughs> he, got, he got paid and then got beat out by Russell Wilson. Yeah. But he still got paid. <laughs> he still got yeah. that money. He got a lot of money. Um, true or false, guys? Jason Kipnis will be at Brave Spring Training this, this year. I guess true. Why not? <laughs> it is true. I like, I was going through, like, the spring training invites. I just completely forgot the Braves signed him to a spring training invite, like a non-guaranteed. I, I just completely forgot Jason Kipnis is going to just pop up in spring training games this year for the Braves. Like, I'd... i got to look this guy up, actually. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a second. Like... It's wild. Oh, I know this guy. Yeah, Cleveland yeah, Indians legend. Yeah, a... Jason, Jason Kipnis. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely washed. but Oh, no. 100% washed, but it's just weird. He's going to be like, 34. remember this guy? Um, that, uh, that's yeah. funny. Um, hey man, yeah, they're addressing the one thing that I saw that it was like one of the most important things is is that depth on the at the line uh, in the starting lineup. They need a backup. They need a backup middle infielder, and I guess he could do it. He's got a chance to win this job. Hechevara being gone, he he steps up. Um, our players around the league. I think this is going to be the episode we just really try to send Garrett off the off the cliff, Max. Um, our players around the league <laughs> turning on Trey. He was 11th in player votes for the All-Star game. Um, really pissing people off. Jalen Brown, uh, apoplectic, it's my word of the day on this podcast, at Trey drawing a crazy foul where he just lifted his head up, where he's flying on a fast break, and Jalen Brown just backing up, backpedaling, and they call it a continuation foul. Uh, and one for Trey in the game Wednesday uh, against the the Celtics um Garrett our players around the league turning on Trey no I don't think that's necessarily the case I was just looking at the uh, at the rankings I, I think it's just that there are a lot of really good players I mean I think Zach Levine was, was slid right ahead of him I think it was in the player rankings yeah something like that or Zach Levine they had it third never mind but Trey Young Trey Young coming out at 11 I mean it's it, it's it's bothers me it bothers me maybe it's just a testament to some of the inconsistent play that he's had this year um i mean i'm not worried about it i'm not really worried about it he still finished what sixth overall when you combine all three media uh fan and player vote so I, he's still i know who, i know who he is we all know who he is he's a great player i'm not worried about it yeah max are you at all worried um I don't know about worry, but I do think that I do think players. Um, it's one of the funnier things actually when you're watching Hawks games and Trey just draws the most ridiculous fouls and he does that little like jump into you thing, and then he he does of course the you know get ahead of you out of the pick and roll and just kind of like have you like ride the back and then just lead into you, and the players just lose their minds. I mean, he gets a lot of them. I think are kind of cheap calls, and I do think there's going to be sort of a. Uh, ref correction on guys who don't want to get screwed by Trey anymore, but it is hilarious watching guys just like absolutely lose it when they get um, stupid foul calls and they do hate it. And I do think that played into this. Um, so if you want to call it a conspiracy, I totally buy it. Um, I don't think he has all that much respect from, from fellow players around the league. Um, but I also don't know that he's like, you know, last year, obviously um, he started the all-star game, right? Yeah. Um, and, I do think he's having a worse year just sort of efficiency-wise. Like, if you take out the, the free throw attempts, which are way up, um, he's only shooting, like, 43% from the field, 37% from three. It's not, like, ideal. 
Um, and a lot of his, his creation and his efficiency just like kind of stems from getting the line. So I do think it's something to monitor if refs try to correct um, a lot of these simmering uh, complaints from around the league, um, whether he'll have a counter to that. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if I answered that question about whether the, the league's turning on Trey, but I do buy into the conspiracy that he's 11th because of that. Yeah, I just, man, you can tell it's bothering him a little bit, and I I don't know, man. I don't know how this ends, but uh, the losing does not help, but uh, they, uh, they're they 1-0 without Lloyd Pierce, um, who I I don't know where you guys are at with this, but at certain, who was it who actually, wasn't it Trey who kind of called out Lloyd Pierce in some post-game quotes? Was it Trey this week? Who had something to say? Trey, to yeah, yeah, Trey said something. It was like a, I think I, we we played this on Monday. I was I was in the in studio, and it was like it's like oh yeah, we're not 100 percent prepared. We're kind of like learning on the fly. We're just doing everything, and it's like uh, that's definitely something that I would interpret as, as criticism from Lloyd Pierce. I don't think it picked up steam in the media very much. Uh, most people just kind of let it slide for whatever reason. But it's like I heard that quote um, from Trey Young, and I was like uh. uh Full stop. What do you mean you're not prepared? What do you mean you're just kind of like learning on the fly? What, what, what are you talking about? Can you elaborate? And no one made him do that. And it's just sort of like they kind of let him get away with it. Um, but I don't think – I mean, Lloyd Pierce has been very frustrating this year. I mean, the, the team looks lost coming out of timeouts, um, set plays that just don't look good. I mean, I don't know if his substitutions are working either. I, I, I just don't know really anything. and I, don't, I still don't see this team gelling. Um, and development, I mean, I guess DeAndre Hunter has been, I mean, he's, he's had a great season. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of falling off the bandwagon. I'm not completely off yet. I could be sucked back in by just by a couple wins. But as of right now, I'm kind of falling off. Max, what about you? Yeah, I'd say I'm more, like, curious than anything else. I'm not ready to, like just bail on the guy. I think he's been dealt like a really, really terrible hand this year, not just with COVID, but, um, you know, Bogdanovich has barely played. Gallinari uh, has been in and out of injury. And when he's come out of injury, he's been pretty darn bad. Um, he's working in all of these new guys with all these young guys. And all of them have just kind of been hurt. DeAndre Hunter broke out and now, um, you know, it's going to be out for a good chunk of time. And he's just kind of trying to juggle all of it. I wouldn't say he's done a fantastic job. Um, but I also don't know how much of that blame can really be put on him when they're just trying to integrate all of these new pieces that haven't been able to integrate because they haven't been able to play together. Um, I would, however, love to see, just out of curiosity, um, what Nate McMillan would do with his team coaching for two weeks, three weeks, and just kind of see um, as like a nice little social experiment. Um, but, I mean, I'm not ready to sort of – come out one way or the other on on um his long-term future with the, with the hawks yeah we we shall see but i i suspect uh it will not um not be the case um and this was something i had before the season i my picks too one pick uh in the east and one in the west to not make it through the season was lloyd pierce in the east and uh ryan saunders in the west but um do you, do you think he doesn't make it through the season no I, cause I, I'm still pretty much out. Cause I think Hunter being gone for a while is still going to hurt things. And the farther they drop down the standings, I mean, we just have to get through the first one. Like once Ryan Saunders is like, go, then the floodgates open. It's like the college coaching carousel where like South Carolina, like no one during a pandemic was like, Oh, who's going to be the school that uh, takes the PR hit because it's gross to 
just pay all this money to get rid of a coach in a pandemic when things are awful and universities are hurting and you're like, what if we just burned some cash? Um, and South Carolina did it. They burned a bunch of money to get rid of Will Muschamp. And then I, there were 15 other coach, ch- coaching changes um, this offseason. So I think it's just going to take the first one. Um, it's a weird season. We're still just now getting at the all-star break, but um, I, I don't. I, I, I just don't think this season turns around enough where it's like, oh, everybody's yelling, everyone's playing together, and part of it will just be because injuries and certain things like that. But the stalled development of Cam is a big factor um, where we're at. And also with Trey's quotes, and like they might ask Trey, they're like, what do you think? And you have Nate McMillan on staff. Like he is there. And that was something I, it raised my eyebrows when he got hired. I was like, Oh, uh, did Lloyd Pierce just hire his replacement? And that was, um, I don't know. That's, that would be my guess is Nate McMillan is on the sidelines for the last regular season game for the Hawks. That would be my guess. Well, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not that far out from the playoffs. I mean, no. if they make the playoffs, Lloyd Pierce is going to be still coaching his team next year. I mean, what are they like I don't three know games that. back? No, but no, I, I don't know how how he doesn't. I mean, if you may, if he takes his team to the playoffs, I I don't I don't see a scenario really that he's not coaching this team next year. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to make the playoffs, and I think that if he doesn't make the playoffs, I give him a outside chance of being on the being the head coach of the team. But odds on favor that he would be fired. Um, but playoffs, it's playoffs or bust. Basically, like, this team needs to make the playoffs. And the Eastern Conference is down just enough for him to be able to do that. So unless he just absolutely backdoors his way in, and it's just like it's just obvious that he just doesn't need to be here. But I mean, if he makes the playoffs, I mean, then you've got to give him a better chance to to be on the on this like the head coach of the team. Maybe we we shall see. We shall see. Um, last thing, guys, we'll wrap up here. Atlanta United, they have a new kit. Um, keeping up with Atlanta United the last six months has been just stupefying. Very difficult, like all over the place, playing in different times. The MLS season, I don't even know when it's officially going to start. They don't really know either, um, but they do have new uniforms. Um, what do we make of Atlanta United's new new uniforms? Eh. <laughs> I think they're... Eh, they're eh. I, I kind of wish they did more of what the... I think it was the Philadelphia Union did. Because um, they do this every year. Like They bring out these new kits, and, and it's like a... It's a new thing every year for like their alternate uniforms, but... Uh, I really like the peach kits because they're actually different. Yeah, <laughs> these things aren't really any different. Um, I don't feel any different when I when I look at them. And but what, going back to Philadelphia Union, I, I think they let their fans design it. Like over the course of like two years or something. And so like this is the fans' choice of a jersey or, or kit or whatever. And I think it's really cool. And that, that, I don't know if you've seen those. Cause go check those out if you if you haven't because they're pretty damn cool. Um, I, I don't know. Just be unique with it. If you're not unique with an alternate jersey, have some fun. Bring out the camo. I don't know. Just do something. Bring out I mean, the camo. Come on. I would, I would Georgia Southern, rise United. up. Oh, hell Southern, baby. <laughs> but, no, I'd, I'd wear the hell, hell out of a, a camo Atlanta United jersey. Also, I'm not going to. Just for the kicks. Hey, you know, I am currently <laughs> wearing some insulated camo Crocs with my sweatpants at the moment. I'm not, not hating on the camo look. but um, Oh, man. Oh, bro! I can't say that I've ever worn camo before, but if Atlanta United whips out a kit, hold on, hold on, with camo wash, I would. They're insulated. My feet are just like always toasty. They're the most comfortable <laughs> shoes known to man. And what you guys aren't my age yet. Once you get closer to thirty, 
your feet just hurt. And when you run all the time and when you stay active, like your body just starts betraying you and starts breaking down. And you start thinking like you wake up one morning and you're like, why do I want a pair of gray New Balance? Why am I suddenly interested in these New Balances? And it, it just hits you one day and you can't explain it. And that's where I'm at, where I'm just like comfort over anything else. And these things are incredible for my feet. Like I cannot wait until I get to the point in my life where I can just be comfortable all the time. Like it is, everything's about uh, comfortability because everything hurts. That's just how getting old works is everything hurts. You can stretch, do whatever. Guess what? You're going to be in pain after everything. Sounds like you're like 60. Dude, my body, like I'm telling you, I'm not 50 and the jokes, I'm telling you, it's coming. It's going, father time will come for you as well. Like when you just... I can't explain it, but I remember that first time after a runner, I was like, why? Or after playing basketball pickup and you're just like, why am I in so much pain? Why do I not want to walk around? Like, I can't just play pickup for two hours anymore. Those days are gone. But I it's growing up, you play. Man. Oh, it's all man. about the pliability. You got to go back to the TB12 method, right? I don't think that's a thing. My girlfriend does <laughs> yoga and just seeing like I, she was just amazed at how stiff I am and just how little I can do. Yoga seems amazing but it, it hurts i don't know if y'all have ever embarked on the yoga train but oh man yoga yoga kills me yeah i've always wanted to try it i've never actually done it before well get a girlfriend because chances are she uh does yoga uh <laughs> it's a very common thing so that that's the key that's how you got to get in there um garrett max is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up here on this uh, beautiful friday no i've got nothing but I'm further I'm further along on the draft a quarterback bandwagon than I've ever been. So oh, please to announce that. There we go. There we go. Garrett's I'll not even close. I'll make it I got I got two months to convince you otherwise. There you go. That's what we're doing <laughs> on this got, podcast. I've got two months to drag you over with me. Touche. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Touche. This is great. All right, guys. Well, this has been great as usual. Thank you as always for making the time, and uh, we will be back next week. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.